So, what do you think of uh, Amy Coney Barrett? Well, she meets all the requirements that Trump is looking for. She is very pro-life. She despises Roe v. Wade. She is also an originalist, taking that from when she clerked for the late Antonin Scalia. And she was very conservative because when she went to Notre Dame Law School, the school at the time actually had a mission of trying to graduate a lot of conservative judges, and she was one of them. In terms of filling an RBG spot, she is quite the opposite of RBG ideology-wise, but I think she'll likely be confirmed considering McConnell's abilities to push nominees in really fast. How about you, Jacob? Two words, Amy Klobuchar. I heard her berate Ted Cruz and the rest of the GOP caucus. I gotta say... She and Blumenthal White House should be the ones questioning Barrett. Don't question her about her personal beliefs. Don't question her about her personal life as a mother of seven kids, and, uh, including two adopted from Haiti. Don't go into that. What they should be going into is her ass- past assertion that a judge's personal convictions shouldn't interfere with respect to previous legal precedent, which is especially important given Roe v. Wade, Obamacare, and felony voting rights. And this goes for everyone, not just Senate Democrats. Don't focus on the personal life. Don't get bogged down with major policy goals. Focus on her judicial logic and the broken process which she's being confirmed in. Hello, I'm Joshua Graceberg. And I'm Jacob Friedman. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults Talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful, definitely non-Twitter commentary and a side helping of comedy. All right, we got three stories. The main one being what is going to happen with RBG's open Supreme Court justice seat. The new report from The Atlantic showing that Trump is not committing to a peaceful transition of power that the Republican Party has a, has a plan of stealing the election ter- if it turns out that Biden is leading Trump in the vote counts in key states. And our final story is about the indictment that came out regarding the no-knock warrant raid that resulted in the death of Breonna Taylor and the aftermath of the announcement. Okay, Joshua, let's get to what has now been going on for a week, the death of RBG. What were your thoughts? Well, Jacob, you may say that Mitch McConnell decided to speak about RBG way too soon, but I'll, you know, to be fair, Jacob, her death was heavily anticipated, and no doubt McConnell and the Supreme Court had plans on the table for a while now. Replacing a Supreme Court justice is, of course, important to keep our country up and running, but McConnell tried to play his cards in 2016 when Scalia died, and he's definitely doing it again, right? Supreme Courts are highly coveted because they're a lifetime position. Not, not nominees who are confirmed to the Supreme Court can change America for decades to come. There's the problem. This is a, like we've, like we've said, this is a reversal of the 2016 where Scalia died. It, it's reversal of what McConnell thought was the buy-in rule. I mean, come on, people. I know this is not constitutionally mandated. This is not under law. But these people are hypocrites, but they don't care. So as much as we want to congratulate Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski of, um, of waiting until after Election Day, actually wanting to fulfill RBG's last wish of waiting for Inauguration Day, waiting after the people pick the president to fill the seat, it's not going to matter. And we know it's not mattering because Cory Garner from Colorado just sealed his fate because he's now going to vote for the nominee. He's definitely losing to Hickenlooper. But 
McConnell and the Republican Party, they simply refuse to follow their standards, right? They they haven't remained consistent. When Obama wanted to nominate Garland during an election year, it was full of opposition. Now, merely less than 90 days from the election, McConnell will try to push in a third Trump Supreme Court nominee. And imagine this, Trump will get free Supreme Court positions, free. Presidents are lucky if they get one. And that's what's so infuriating about this. It's less than 40 days from an election. I mean, Trump is pick Amy Coney Barrett, who was the number two on the Federal Society's list of when it happened last time, when Kennedy resigned, when she was back up to Kavanaugh. But remember, McCall now has the votes for when Romney said he was going to vote for whoever Trump is, is going to pick. So they weren't even, they didn't even know who the nominee was going to be, but they knew that they were voting for it. Come on, people. In my opinion, it's party loyalty, Jacob. Of course, it's party loyalty. I mean, listen, this resembles the GOP, really? This resembles listen, the party, party loyalty. Listen, party loyalty isn't exclusive to the Republican Party. And this is a party. No, no, they're loyal to Trump. This isn't about party. This isn't about a common common principles. This isn't about a, a common policy interest. This is purely political. This isn't, it's ridiculous. This, there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do but to watch it happen and make these people pay at the ballot box. Well, you know, now that Romney supports the nominee, you know, this all becomes more stern. But that being said, can you really blame Romney for this decision? Because listen, he's a Republican and this is a Republican dream of 50 years. Imagine this, six of the nine Supreme Court judges would be conservative. They would shape America in the conservative mold for decades to come. Are you kidding me? How is this conservative? These are, if something happens during the 2020 election that results in the Supreme Court being brought in, three of the justices that the president himself appointed were responsible for giving him a second term. And that is ridiculous. And he was impeached, okay? This is impeached. This isn't just... Oh the, pre- oh, the president has, has a winning hand. No, he was impeached. That is the saddest thing about this. Well, what that I meant by lot, conservative, Jacob, in this case, was that... It's not conservative. A lot, of the, a, lot of the, a lot of the judges that Trump has nominated to the Supreme Court are very pro-life and are very against Roe v. Wade. Being pro-life is a very conservative viewpoint. I'm pretty sure Romney... Not when you spin the face of the actual process... This isn't this, the. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that the process is right. That this was probably what, what was going through Romney's mind when he made the decision. Well, that is true. What we're going for is that the, this Supreme Court doesn't take the, some of these cases. B. Garner and Collins and Murkowski, even though you know two GOP women in the Senate did, are going to vote the nominee, they're responsible for this. They are responsible for this happening. At least Susan Collins. She voted for Kavanaugh. Okay, she was one of the signing votes. She needs to be resoundingly defeated at the ballot box because she uh, she enabled this. If, if this results in the Republican Party becoming a fringe party, then so be it. And Democrats need to become a Big Ten party and it needs to be split up in different factions. It needs to be, and we possibly get a third party in there. I'm all for it. Um, we need something. This is a broken two-party system in action. This is not, this cannot continue for another 20 years. In our next story, according to an article in The Atlantic, Trump will not commit to a peaceful transition of power for the 2020 election. Jacob, what are your thoughts? Well, if you know the article, 
You know what this means. If you don't, I don't blame you. I mean, let's not get bogged down over the fact that they might abuse the decentralized nature of the Electoral College by using governments to override the will of the people with Trumpist electors using the Bill Barr fraudulent mail-in voting as an excuse. Instead, let's make this clear. The only way to destroy a Trump coup, the only way to oh, come on. S- stop this, and that was trending on Twitter, okay? I know Twitter isn't great, oh. but... But yeah, trending on Twitter, extremely alive. Trump Republicans are tweeting this. George Conway, the Lincoln Project, duty to warn, the Bill Crystal, they were all they were coming out with this. Come on, man, this is abusing the process to for pure political gain. Just like we saw with the Supreme Court, it's not really about ideology. It's come on, the only way, the only way we can stop this, is with overwhelming turnout, with overwhelming results in favor of Biden. Though that Barr, DeSantis, Wisconsin Republicans, they can't suppress it. I mean, this is just about staying in power. Any college kids that are listening, any fellow high schoolers that are listening, if you can vote, can vote. vote, okay? If you have parents who aren't voting, family members who aren't thinking of voting this year, get them to vote. Get them to register. It is super easy this year. They're giving out a ton of resources. I think a few days ago was National Voter Registration Day. There are helpful links. We'll put one in the description of this of this episode. I mean, come on, man. This well, even with mass turnout, like even with mass mail-in voting, it's very possible that this process will drag out and still become very inefficient, and we won't even have a winner on election day. So I'm not even sure that huge voter turnout would necessarily, you know, help the poor predicament that we find ourselves in. I think Mary Trump, the psychologist who wrote about her uncle and the. Uh in her book that was published this summer, I think she said something along the lines of if Trump loses big and bad enough, if he loses by an overwhelming large margin, he's just going to walk away. He's not going to go to a Biden inauguration. He's not going to stay around. He's going to go to Mar-a-Lago and start Trump TV. He's going to fulfill the dream he had with Roger Ailes before he died in 2016. Well, He's going to just walk away. Well, Trump doesn't like to lose, Jacob. You're right about that. And Trump you know, whether it be in business or politics, he'll always do, he'll do so much to even paint himself as a winner, even if he doesn't end up being one, such as his wealth, for example. He's lost a lot of money and he doesn't want to release tax forms to show it. And this is just another example, another piece of proof that Donald Trump is a man who hates losing. But more importantly, Jacob, American democracy relies on a peaceful transfer of power, no matter how bitter the campaign was. Do you remember the 1992 election? Yes. Uh, yeah. No. I uh, I read the letter H. W. Bush sent to Bill Clinton. I remember. Right. And I and I, remember, I remember reading about it for a push. I remember. But the point right. is, I mean, it was a really bitter campaign. But in the end, when Bill Clinton was sworn into office, George H. W. Bush was up there applauding him. And it's relied on the system. We've relied on this really gesture of goodwill for hundreds of years, and now we might see a final break in that. I know, man. I mean, I want a peaceful transition of power. I want. Whoever wins to concede to the other peacefully. And I'm hoping. I don't want Biden wins. I don't want Trump to just walk away and not give Biden the the tradition. And vice versa. I don't want Biden to, if Biden doesn't concede, I don't don't want that. But facts don't support it. What we, what we, Trump's comments about uh, not accepting the election unless the results are fair, that's, it's not giving me any confidence. Our last story is the indictment of one of the police officers involved in the shooting of Breonna Taylor and the other two officers not being indicted at all. So 
In short, the police officer who ended up being indicted, the police detective, ended up facing more legal backlash from the bullet holes in the neighbor's walls than for the bullets that didn't kill Breonna Taylor. The indicted detective was indicted by a jury for endangering lives in a neighboring unit. There's not much I can say about this, but let me just say this. Breonna Taylor should not be dead today. She should be living among us today. And just look at the facts. Breonna Taylor was hit accidentally multiple times. When lethal police force has to be used, it should always be purposeful and precise so as to extinguish the fretted hand as well as reduce, well, really eliminate the risk of collateral damage. That is simply not what happened to Breonna Taylor's home, and I find it a shame that the police officers were not held accountable for that, and that's all I'll say about that. Jacob, do you have anything to say about it? I haven't been paying that much close attention, I'm sorry to say. I, I find this way too heated to really get involved. It's clear. She should be alive. She should not be killed. There should be some kind of punishment for her, her being dead right now. The problem is that I think Tara Sedemeyer of the Lincoln Project, she said, I think she said it after looking into it. I think she was right. It's the process, this is a result of a broken process. The process itself, the way it is set up now with no-knock warrants and how the law is set up, the officer really couldn't be charged with her death. It's clear that the law is not set up to deal with such situations like this. I mean, it's good that the Louisville Police Department is, is suspending no-knock no warrants and mandating body cameras. I support the efforts by Democrats in the House to mandate these these necessary changes in bills they're proposing. The fact that this is still going on is truly pathetic, as I said before. This is shouldn't have happened. I think what really set a lot of people off about this is that Kentucky's Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, he just spoke at the RNC as as the Trump Party's way of saying, We're, there, there's no real problem with policing. It's just a few bad apples. It's just it's just an unfortunate little incident that don't amount to anything. I'm not saying I'm not calling for defund the police and its extent of what some what Minneapolis did, but if anything else, this this summer has proven that policing is broken. We can't have ideologues tasked with fixing this. We can't have passionate people debating this when we're caught in the heat of the moment. We, we can't have this. And so to to have an actual discussion about this, we have to have experts. We have to put ensure our trust in experts we trust as a, as a society to really craft legislation around this, to craft actual solutions. Because clearly, politicians and on, bo on both ends of the equation aren't getting this done. And, that, and, that's, and that's the big problem. There are many issues right now that we as Gen Zers have to deal with. And right now we're young, but in the meantime, we can help deal with these issues through voting, if we're eligible to vote, and for being involved with our society to make our own individual changes to make the world a better place. That's why if, if you're a Gen Zer, if you're anyone, and you're like, oh, I don't know where to go, join our Discord server. Get involved. If, if nothing else, just talking about these, these important issues in, a, in calm, open-minded ways is going to make a long way into actually getting necessary change done. Post a link in the description. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zero Talk Politics. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And send us any and all questions regarding the news or politics, because your questions make the show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.